All right, hey, so my name is Caleb Burchett. I'm our student ministry director here at Fellowship. And uh, if you may have noticed, today is Student Takeover Sunday, all right? Uh, as you came in this morning, you probably saw students parking cars, greeting. You just got to see uh, our worship team of all students up here and scout giving announcements. And uh, we actually have students behind the scenes as well. We have them serving downstairs with FK Junior and Fellowship Kids and and that coffee that's in your hand, they, they prepared that for you this morning. So, um, yeah, it is Student Takeover Sunday, and uh, they've just been, uh, they've become an awesome part of what God is doing here at the church, all right? And what's really awesome is if that, if this is, you know, a reg, if you're a regular attendee here at Fellowship Asheville, this Sunday doesn't look much different than a normal Sunday. I mean, on a week-to-week basis, we regularly have students in service serving, whether it is on their worship team or downstairs with the kids, and we're very thankful for our students and the part that they play in furthering the kingdom of God here. So I just want to take a moment and just give a hand for all of our students and everything they've been doing for our church. All right, so just recently, um, I got the opportunity to go down to Atlanta for Catalyst Conference, uh, and Andy Stanley, he's a pastor of North Point Community Church, famous author, he had a quote that I wanted to share with y'all this morning, uh, and he said that the next generation church will be birthed by the next generation. So here's the deal. I truly believe that that's happening here, and I'm really excited about our students and how they are playing a part in becoming the next generation church. All right, so today we're going to be wrapping up our series, Can I Say That? Uh, And the title of today's message is, I Am a Failure. All right? And I know you're thinking, wow, that is a harsh title. Well, the reality is, is that, you know, this is a common thought that I'm sure passes through some of y'all's mind more often than not on a day-to-day basis. I am a failure. That statement, this common thought that we may share used to resonate so deeply in my life just a couple years ago. I mean, long story short, Grew up in ministry. I was raised in the local church. My, my parents worked for a parachurch organization called Young Life. And through that, you know, I, got, you know I, I grew up and I got to see the power of the gospel and the transformation that occurs when someone chooses to give their life to Christ. And this played a really big part of my personal testimony. And, you know, I went on to, you know, learn more about God and have a deep faith of my own. But, you know, through this, you know, and, I, and as I got older, I kind of felt like maybe God was nudging me into almost a career of ministry. And, you know, that was not really something I was ready to do or wanted to do at the time. And really, on top of that, I had it completely engraved in my mind that it was absolutely not something I was qualified or equipped to do to myself. I thought that I was a failure, all right? And I thought, you know, maybe I was being called into ministry and I was still kind of dealing with that and what that looked like, but me knowing me, just like a lot of you know yourselves in your own hearts, you know, I knew, I knew about the darkness inside of me and I knew about my own demons and I knew about all these self-sabotaging tendencies that we all have and that we all carry. And I felt like a failure. I felt that I was not called or equipped to do what the Lord was calling me to do. 
all right? But I believe that this problem I once faced, this, you know, this common thought of not being called, not being equipped, of feeling like a failure, you know, I don't want it to just stand up here this morning and talk about how, you know, this is something, you know, that God revealed to me and this is something I overcame because the reality is sometimes I still face this. And I want this, this, this morning, this message, this teaching that we're going to get into to be about us and to be about our lives and what we can take from what God has for us this morning, all right? And yes, this is Student Takeover Sunday and we have students all over running around, but this is a teaching that we can take to heart whether we are 10 years old or we are are 100 years old, all right? It may seem like I'm just teaching to our students, but I promise I am teaching to us all, and trust me, this is a subject that fires me up. This is something that I believe that God has given me to share with you all this morning because this is a subject that has completely changed my life in the complete trajectory of the path I was headed on beforehand, all right? So, This thought, I am a failure. Let's just be honest here for a moment. Do you ever find yourself thinking I am a failure? Is that something you ask yourself? Do you ever just, you know, this this was this is personal testimony. Do you ever just like wake up in the middle of the night, just drenched in sweat, overheating, and just lay in bed with your hands on your hands and say, I am a failure? Or, you know, if you're, you know, if you're a student in the room with us, because all of our students are in here today, like maybe you're at school, you just got that test back, the report card, you know you're not hitting the mark academically. You know you got to bring that report card home and get it signed from the parents, and you know they're going to be disappointed. You're thinking to yourself, man, I am a failure. Or, you know, as an adult, you're at work during the week, you know, work, work is hard. You know things at home, they're not going well. The things at home are hard. You know, your life just may not be where you want it to be right now. And you're stuck with this feeling of failure. And you're telling yourself, I am a failure. All right. So if that's you, I want you to know it's me too. And I want you to know that you are not alone in this. This is something that I'm sure a lot of us struggle with on a day-to-day basis. And this is a question that I have battled on and off with my entire life. Why am I such a failure? Why can't I do what the Lord is pushing me to do? Why can I escape this lifestyle that is, you know, fill in the blank with whatever you may have going on and live my life full-heartedly and purely for the Lord? Well, I believe as humans, and I mentioned this earlier, but, you know, we all have these darkness, we all have these demons, and we all have our own self-sabotaging tendencies that are destroying our relationship with Christ, our relationship with our friends, our relationships at work, and our relationships at home, because we are not allowing ourselves to believe we are a failure. We are stuck in this trap, all right? And we believe that we are not called, and we believe that we are not qualified. We can't be the ones to serve the Lord because of this feeling. This feeling of failure. So in the Bible, you know, I, you know I'm, a, I'm a seminary student right now, and, you know, I've been studying the Bible a lot recently and, and more in depth than I have kind of growing up. And as I'm going through, I'm, I've kind of started to realize as, also as I'm getting older and more mature that, you know, God kind of creates this idea that life isn't just a playground, but that life is actually a battleground. And I think, and I think for the most part, you know, we could feel that, you know, we, we could feel the many, you may not, you may be sitting here, you're not feeling like, you know, you're a failure, but you know, we have stresses of life, we're busy, things are tugging at us from every direction, we have all of these conflicts we're dealing with, and you know, I think that the reason, the main reason that, you know, all this stuff is eating away at all that is playful, and that, you know, we're in this battleground is because of conflict, and you know, conflict is, you know, something I see all throughout the Bible, and I have three 
sources of conflict that I wanna go over with y'all this morning, all right? So three sources of conflict that we are dealing with in our day-to-day life. Number one is Satan, all right? Number one, Satan. You know, if we see ourselves as Christ followers, you know, having accepted Jesus into our own heart, it is a fact that we are going to have an adversary. We are going to have an enemy. And And the thing is, Satan wants to attack us. And to be honest, he's great at it. He is a professional. He has backup. And, you know, we learned that in John 10, 10, that he has, he has a team of big, he has a big team of fallen angels ready to kill, steal, and destroy everything that is wholesome and that is playful and that is good in our lives and destroy our relationship with Christ and attack us at every dimension. And when I think about this, when I think about this conflict of Satan, I think about how, you know, this is kind of a spiritual dimension to this physical world that we're living in. So that's number one, Satan. Number two is the world, the world, all right? You know, I'm not talking about the world. You know, when we watch National Geographic, I'm a big Planet Earth fan. You know, I love the world. I think it is beautiful. I love living here in Asheville and the mountains. No, I'm talking about the world that you see when you turn on the news or you're reading the news and just all all that is evil happening around us. You see, you know, we learned last week, you you know, that God has these boundaries for us. You know, in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, God set one line for us not to cross. And we ended up going and crossing that line. And when that happened, it it created us into a world of sin. And, you know, we have this sin nature that surrounds us now. And, you know, God told mankind not to do that one thing. And we did that one thing, which ultimately created separation from him and brought us into the world we know and that we see today. All right. And so here's the deal. I mean, you know, we talked about if you're a Christ follower. So if you're a Christ follower, And when we respond to the gospel and we accept Jesus into our lives, what it does is it puts us in turmoil with the standard of the world, all right? As a Christ follower, we are now different. You know, by following God, we create opposition because we are different to the rest of the world that we are living in. And, you know, maybe, you know, for some of you, it might be with your families. If you grew up as a non-believer and your parents are not believers and, you know, you go out and you become a Christian, you know, it might put you in turmoil with your family. Or maybe it's at work with your coworkers or maybe with some of your friends and maybe you used to be a non-believer and you used to hang out with some of your friends and now they're still your friends now that you're a Christian, but there's just some turmoil and some conflict now, all right? Think about this, all right? LeBron James, you know, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, right? He gets double team guarded well every single night, every single time he steps on the court because the other team sees him as a threat. And so don't be surprised that in the same way, when you're living your life full-heartedly for the Lord and you're on fire for God and you're stepping into this relationship with Jesus, that the enemy, that our adversary, that Satan will also see you as a threat. So that's the second source of conflict, the world. Who's us into number three. And number three is, uh, you know, a little bit more um, 
has, has, plays, plays a more theological role in what we're dealing with in our lives. And this is human nature. This is our own sinful nature. The nature of sin that we are born into and that we carry with us throughout our entire lives, all right? Inside of us, there's this nature and belief. You know, we used to be in charge. You know, I used to make my own rules. I used to do what I wanted to do. But, but when you become a Christ follower, you know, you submit to God and his, and his guidance over your life and you're obedient to him. And when we do that, you know, we used to make and play by our own rules, but now living with Jesus as a Christ follower, man, things are different now. So what's that look like inside of your heart? Well, what's great in the Bible is it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that when we give our life to Christ, it is a new birth and it is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Think about it. You, you may have once been an old man, but now you are a new man. You might have once been an old woman, but now you're a new woman. You may have been an old you, but now you are a new you. And that's great. And the grace is beautiful, but it still puts us in conflict. Because as a new you, as a Christian, you can listen to God. But the problem is, is that although we are a new creation and although we are listening to God, unless we are continuing to follow him, the old nature will still be there with us until we get to heaven. We may be a new creation, but we are still living with our own human nature, all right? So yes, three conflicts. Number one, Satan. Number two, the world. Number three, human nature. And, you know, that final conflict, you know, I wanna talk about human nature today and our own sinful nature that we carry that makes us feel certain ways, all right? And, you know, that fight, that third fight against our own sinful nature, I mean, that is what, you know, that, that really stops us on this battleground. And I want to give y'all encouragement this morning in the same way that I found encouragement when I allowed myself my own human nature and I, and, and I allowed myself to become my own worst enemy. All right? So today, this morning, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 16. Uh, if you have a Bible in the pew, it's going to be on page 831. If you have the Bible app, you can find us under the events tab and Fellowship Asheville, and you'll get today's scripture and notes along with some sermon response questions. All right, so as you guys are flipping there, you know, I kind of, I, I want to give us a lot of context of what's going on. You know, a lot of us, we kind of skip over 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, some of these letters, whatever. I want to I I really bring you in on what's happening here in scripture, all right? So, you know, Paul, early church planner, advocate of the early church. He's on his fourth missionary journey right now. And he's going out, he's planting churches. He's starting the early church. And he instructed Timothy to care for the church at Ephesus while he went on to Macedonia to continue to plant more churches, all right? And Paul realized, you know, in his travels, and he's on his fourth journey, he's getting older, right? And he realized that he may not ever get the opportunity to return to the church of Ephesus, Ever, maybe not in the near future either. So what he did is he wrote this book, this first letter to Timothy to develop the charge that he had given this young man, which was to refute false teachings and to supervise the affairs of the growing Ephesian church. All right, so personally, y'all, I love the person of, person of Timothy. I love who he is. I love his characteristics. And I think that Timothy is a helpful example for us today and a very effective example in the Bible because I think that he is someone that a lot of us can relate to no matter what stage of life, no matter what we are facing. And here's why. Timothy, he had a lot to endure 
growing up as a Christ follower. So a little fact, you know, Timothy, he came from a mixed racial background. You know, his mother was Jewish and his, his father was a Greek. So just from that, the odds are stacked against Timothy. I mean, this is a big deal back then. I mean, people looked down on Timothy because of this mis- mixed racial, religious, you know, family tree that he's coming from. And, you know, and most of the Pharisees, the, the, the Christian leaders at the time, wouldn't even consider someone with a mixed racial background to be a leader of the church. So that's like like that, that's that first thing, you know, the odds are against Timothy. But through that, you know, Timothy, you know, in his home, you know, the dad, you know, the Bible doesn't talk much about Timothy's father, but his mother and his grandmother, they poured into them. They taught him the gospel about Jesus. And he, he went on to, you know, at a young age to have a deep faith of his own, make that faith his own. And what's crazy is that, you know, when Paul meets Timothy, he even goes on to have prophetic dreams about Timothy and the work that the Lord has called him to do and some of his giftings, all right? So, you know, and this kind of you know, brings us into where we are, what's happening historically. So I want to note a couple other things, though. So we have one odds stacked against Timothy, but here's our second one right here. We know from this letter that Timothy was a young man, and many historical scholars think that he may have only been 16 years old when Paul met him. Yo, that's crazy. Paul was having these prophetic dreams about the future of Timothy and what the Lord was calling him to do at an age where you wouldn't even be old enough to vote in our society. I mean, but the Lord was still pushing him to do something much bigger than him. But y'all, even, even in that day, the odds were against him. He was definitely seen as too young, all right? But yet, Timothy, you know, he had such a large reputation as a godly man, you know. And it said, the Bible says from Lystra all the way to Isium, these two cities, which are 40 miles apart, all right, he was known as a godly man. And I just want to put that into perspective. 40 miles, that's nothing. I mean, some of us might even drive 40 miles to get here. I don't know. But here's the deal. 40 miles, that was two days travel by foot. So if you think about it, in our day, two days travel by foot I mean, you can go around the world and back on an airplane. I mean, that's no big deal. So really, when I think about this, Timothy is like internationally known in today's standard. I mean, people knew him from two days travel. I mean, he would have had millions of followers on Instagram and Twitter, you know? Like, he was well known, and he was, I mean, he was young, all right? So... But here's the deal, you know, in the Bible, we're gonna, we're, if you read the Bible, you're gonna continue to see when learning about Timothy. He was young, he was young, he was young. But here's the deal. Paul never once in all of his books said that he was too young, all right? Instead, Paul sent him to resolve some of the, the most significant problems churches across the region were facing. I mean, including the church at Corinth, where we get the book of Corinthians. I mean, they were dealing with sexual immorality, with incest, and, and Paul sent this young man, Timothy, to go in and uh, shake things up over there and fix some of those things. And, you know, what's crazy is, and then he later went on to pastor the world's first megachurch, where we are today, the church of Ephesus. People say that's the world's first megachurch. Timothy was probably about 18, 20 years old. He's pastoring a church of thousands of thousands. So, man, crazy. The odds are stacked against them, all right? But he's doing it. He's doing it so far, all right? So he taught, he preached, and he was in charge of a church all in an age today, which would likely be considered way too young. Timothy had skills, and he was called by God, though, 
all right? And Paul saw that and he used Timothy despite his age to do what God had gifted him and called him and equipped him to do. So let's break this down. Sorry, long intro, but I just want us to all be on the same page when we're going through this. All right, so I'm gonna uh, start reading this. This is gonna be 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 16. This section in the ESV is titled A Good Servant of Jesus Christ, all right? If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irrelevant, silly myths. All right, stop right there. All right, so right out of the gate, Paul is instructing Timothy on becoming a good servant of Jesus Christ. All right, and he mentions the, the importance of being well trained in biblical knowledge, and you know the importance of good doctrine, and he you know he's noting all these things, and you know the church of Ephesus had a lot going on at the time, and, you know like I mentioned before, sexual immorality, incest. I mean there was crooked religious leaders, people were taking money from the church, all sorts of I mean false teachings. I mean things were not looking great there at all. All right. But Paul, you know, think about this. Paul, he's much older and he's much wiser than Timothy. And, you know, I believe, and I believe that with age comes a lot of wisdom. So, you know, I, I, I get what verse 7 is doing here. You know, he's given a very fair warning in verse 7 to Timothy to remain strong in his faith when fighting the battles against sin. Because, I mean, let's be honest, more often than not, more often than not, the, the less mature and the more unwise you are, the greater the chances are that you will be able to stumble and fall when facing temptation. And Paul knew this. I mean, he knew his own past. He knew the struggles that he endured and went through. And he is giving a warning and he is doing his best to protect Timothy at such a young age and as a young leader of the church, all right? So, you know, with every section of scripture, I want to ask you guys a question. So our first question, is your failure rooted in your sin? Is your failure rooted in your sin? Think about that. All right, pick it back up in verse eight. It says in verse eight, uh, rather train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of every value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially those who believe. All right, this section is awesome, all right, because this is something that is so important for us as Christ followers. I mean, while both biblical knowledge and good doctrine is important, it doesn't go hand in hand with godliness. You know, we can study our Bibles every day. We can read books from all of our Christian authors. We can listen to our Christian podcasts, uh, you know, with our megachurch pastors. You know, I, I do all these things. And I'm saying this because this is something that I do on a week to be basis. I enjoy reading these books. I enjoy reading my Bible. But while all of this knowledge is important, unless we are putting it into practice, we are not becoming any more like Christ. All right, there, it is of no personal benefit to our own godliness. We have to be, we have to, Paul is telling Timothy to lean on God 
through, trial, through the trials that he is facing, to pray, to trust God, to understand that he is nothing without God on his side, that this godliness is important. Yes, it is important to know your Bible. Yes, it is very important to practice good doctrine, but unless you are putting what you are learning into practice, you will fall and you will fail just like the others. You will find yourself falling short, perhaps feeling like a failure, just like the people at the church of Ephesus, maybe like Timothy before he read this encouragement from Paul, all right? So here's my question for you. Is your failure based on your lack of application of God's word? Is your failure based on your lack of application of God's word? So continuing on, picking back up in verse 11. It says, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. In this section, you know, we see Paul instructing Timothy to not let his age, or maybe for all, some of us, the stage of life, no matter what negative connotations were thrown his way, whatever he was dealing with, affect what the Lord had called him and had equipped him to do, all right? He tells Timothy that if he sets an example, if he sets an example in conduct, in love, in faith, in impurity, in speech, that age, no matter what you're dealing with, it will not be a factor, all right? This is encouragement for Timothy, but this is, this is encouragement for us, y'all. I mean, Timothy had it all stacked up against him, and some of us, we may feel like we have it all stacked up against us. But, the, but this is Paul reminding him that if, and if we are able to live our life above reproach and be the clearest reflection of Christ that we are able to be, the odds stacked against us will fall, all right? Is, so here's, here's my question. Is your failure listening to other people say about you or what God says about you? Let me repeat that real quick. Is your failure listening to what other people say about you or what God says about you. Verse, uh, verse 13 says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you, to you by prophecy when the council of elders lay their hands on you. All right, so stop real quick. You know, this is, you know, this is, this is both, you know, kind of encouragement. This is instruction to Timothy. Just like all of us, all of us here in the room, just like us, Timothy possessed a unique spiritual gift, all right? He had the gift of teaching God's word. And Paul is instructing him to continue to devote himself to the church, to the public reading of scripture, to the teaching of God's word, all right? And this is a reminder of the importance of studying God's word, but also putting it into practice because, yes, here's the deal. Timothy was young. We said that we're going to keep saying this over and over. Timothy was young, but God had given him a gift, all right? Just like he has given y'all all your own spiritual gift, all right? So here's my question. Is your failure denying your own spiritual gifting? Is your failure you denying your own 
spiritual gifting. All right, so finishing, finishing things up in verse 15, it says, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will both save yourself and your hearers. All right, so Paul's concluding this little section of scripture here uh, with one final encouragement. This is, a, this is a big piece of encouragement for us. Paul knew in that moment, when Timothy's receiving this letter, when he is reading it for the first time, that Timothy probably didn't have it all together. He probably didn't have it all together, but he is instructing him to continue. He is telling Timothy to continue to work hard, to declare war against all that is stacked up against him, all the battle against himself, what he is facing, these conflicts, the odds that are against him, all right? He might have felt like a failure. He probably did feel like a failure, but God was commanding him to push through and to overcome the odds. You know, it might have not been altogether right in that moment when he's, you know, when he's reading it there or as he continued to go on and pastor the church of Ephesus. But in the future, Timothy would live to see the fruit of his actions now. So here's, here's my last question. Is your failure paralyzing or are you learning from it? Is your failure paralyzing or are you learning from it? Oh, I love this passage. I love the person of Timothy. Like, I, I truly do believe that Timothy can be a real-life living encouragement for all of us, no matter what stage of life we're in, all right? And if you find yourself, you know, thinking that you're a failure with this common thought of, I am a failure, maybe like Timothy was, thinking when he arrived at the church of Ephesus and saw everything that was stacked up against him, it's probably time to search your heart and see what the Lord is truly doing inside of you. So here's the deal. I got three checkpoints. And, you know, maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, yeah, you know, I, I kind of feel that. I kind of feel like I'm a failure. Or maybe it's later this week at work or whatever it may be or later on in the future. I got three checkpoints. I would love for you to write them down. And I would, next time you're feeling like a failure and you're stuck with this feeling, go through these three checkpoints, all right? So number one is be involved. Be involved. Everyone respects someone who works hard, so you don't, you know, you don't have an excuse not to get involved, all right? Serve, work hard, prove that you care, not just as a student, not just to our students, but no matter what age you are. More often than not, and I say this because this is me a lot of times, I think we all like to complain, right? We all like to complain, but the reality is, is although we like to complain, a lot of us don't like to do anything ourselves, all right? And this is us working against ourselves. We are creating the battleground. We are creating this conflict by doing that, all right? We're busy with our own lives, but yeah, so is everyone else. And the more involved, the more reliable, the more we are invested in our church, the more people will care about what we have to say, all right? And to be honest, the more opportunity we'll get to see God work in our own hearts and in the lives of others. So get involved, you know, not just at church, but in work or with your friends, you know, in your community, be involved. It'll suck away the failure. But number two is also just as important. It's take initiative. You gotta take initiative. You can't just get involved. You gotta take initiative. If you have an idea, take action. You know, as a pastor, I could tell you that no one comes to church 
with, with more ideas for things than, you know, young idealistic Christians. And I know this because I am one myself, you know, I'll be sitting in meetings on a week to week basis and I'll, you know, we're spitting these ideas and, you know, we're talking about these things. And, but, you know, and I can promise you this because it's not just me either, but it's, it's my students. And, you know, they have great ideas of things we should be doing, you know, on Sunday nights or on Sunday mornings. But, you know, and my friends who also work at churches in the area, I mean, they, have, they come to church with great ideas. But the problem is, this is some of you younger folk, is that it, at the same time, no one is harder to get involved in the work in the mission of Jesus than those same young idealistic Christians. So this is encouragement to you that if you're young and you have these ideas, bring them to the table, bring them, all right? And while we need to be careful not to overassert ourselves or to act out of bounds, sometimes by doing it unofficially can wake us all up to doing it officially, all right? And when you do it first, you prove that you have your thumb on the pulse of the community. And I like to believe that Timothy, he came in, he came young with Lots of ideas. He was on fire for what he was doing. And he came in and he took his thumb and he brought it to the church of Ephesus and to that community which he was pastoring and living in, all right? Timothy had his thumb on the pulse of the community. So that's number two. Number three is let go of your entitlement. And this is, you know, this is speaking to all of us. This is a very hard one sometimes, all right? The gospel is clear, y'all. The only thing we deserve is death and eternal condemnation. It's the only thing we deserve. And it is only by the grace of God that salvation is possible. I mean, when I think about it, entitlement is completely anti-theatrical to the gospel and everything that the Lord has done for us. So let go of your entitlement. Don't, think, don't take things for granted. Appreciate what others do. Be gracious, be patient, be humble, all right? Timothy knew that he was young. He knew that the odds were stacked against him, but he let go of his immature, entitled mindset and allowed the Lord to work through him, all right? So those are, those are our three checkpoints, all right? Those are our three checkpoints. And you know, in this series, you know, we, we've, we've been putting out a common thought, right? And today's common thought is, I am a failure. And then, you know, we're going we're gonna to be looking at Jesus. We're going to be looking at what he teaches us in the Bible. And then we're going to relay a scandalous statement that brings truth into this situation, into this common thought, all right? So I want to share a scandalous statement with you all this morning. And that, that statement is, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called, all right? Timothy he probably wasn't qualified to lead the church. I mean, we, we know that. We just, we just read the cold hard facts, but God called him anyways, all right? He came from a strange lineage. He didn't have experience. He was seen as too young. The odds were absolutely against him. You know, when, you know, when I think about my own life, when I was dealing with my own darkness and my own conflict, I didn't feel I was ready to step into a position of full-time ministry. The odds were stacked against me as well. But by the grace of God and the Lord's perfect timing, 
you know, just right, in, right out of high school, right into college first semester, I got the opportunity to lead Young Life. And, you know, I was able to invest in the lives of high school kids and I got to spend time with them and earn the right to be heard and get to teach them a little bit about who Jesus was and why he loves them and get to introduce them to the gospel and, you know, a relationship with them. And, you know, soon after that, you know, just like a year later, uh, because of that, you know, I actually got the opportunity to student pastor a small church in Charlotte. You know, I was part-time, I was taking classes, uh, you know, and this really opened up my eyes and revealed a lot to me in that time. And what's crazy, y'all, this is where it gets crazy. Y'all know people, you know, how they go to college, they have like a major change. They might go business degree to like communications because it's too hard or something. You know what I'm talking about? Well, here's the deal. I had a whole school change, all right? I felt that the Lord had equipped me. I felt that the Lord had called me because, you know, I was dealing with this feeling of failure. Well, I just did a school change. So I dropped out of business school at UNC Charlotte. I'm going to, I'm studying pastoral studies at Charlotte Christian College now. And, you know, it's just crazy to see how the Lord's working through me. And as I say yes to what he's calling me to and what I am learning that he's equipped me to do, how he has blessed my life and what's going on in my life. And what's crazy is just three years after high school, I find myself in here Sunday morning with the opportunity to share with y'all what the Lord has taught me. All right, and here's the deal. Here's the deal. I wasn't ready. I'm young, just like Timothy. I knew myself, I knew my darkness, I knew what was going on inside of me, I knew what was holding me back. But when I learned that God doesn't call the qualified, but that he qualifies the called, it was a game changer. And I believe that no matter where you are in your life, that this can be a game changer for you. It is a beautiful picture of the grace of God at work in my own life. You know, you may, you may be sitting here, you may not feel qualified to make a difference in the church. You may not feel called to make a difference in the lives of others. And you may have so many things going on, so many different things going on in your life that you know that there is no way that you can take a stand and make a difference in the body of Christ. But ask yourself one final question. Are you allowing yourself to become your own worst enemy? Are you allowing this failure to set in this feeling? Are you choosing not to believe the truth that the Lord presents to us in his word? If the answer is yes, I want you to walk out of here this morning believing that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called, all right? Just as you are right now, sitting in this room, you have an opportunity to believe that you are qualified by the Lord Jesus Christ to make a difference in the lives of others, not just at the church, but at work, in your home, with your kids, starting today when you can believe that this truth that the Lord gives to us. All right, so earlier, you know, I talked about students earlier, and we got a whole lot going on. I mean, guys, this is crazy. I mean, 54 students are serving today to make church happen. I mean, that is just, that is just a beautiful image. And a couple weeks ago, we, you know, we, we took our fall retreat. We took some students up to Camp Cedar Cliff here in town. We had an awesome time, and like, you know, it was great. We had fun powerful worship, powerful teaching, and we had three students decide to put their faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, things are, things are just incredible right now and what the Lord is doing in our ministry. And, you know, we have something else pretty big coming up. And if you know, you may not know this yet, or maybe you do, I don't, I don't know how much this has been publicized, but you know, we're taking about eight to 12 upperclassmen students to Kenya this summer to serve overseas with an organization called Love Africa Mission. And I'll tell you what, I mean, these high school kids, I mean, they're killing it. I mean, they're coming to Christ. I mean, you know, they're learning how to make their faith their own, how to get this deep faith and they're being discipled. We have awesome small group leaders who are just killing it with them. But here's the deal, I mean, I'm sure a lot of them probably never been out of the country before, 
probably doesn't feel ready to take on that journey. Um, but I believe that the Lord, since they are in Christ Jesus, since they have become believers, that this is something that even though it seems crazy, seems impossible for a lot of them, like they're probably thinking, where's the money gonna come from? How are we gonna do this? I believe that in Christ that they are already. So just for students, I just wanna say that if that's a thought that you're thinking, it is, it is not truth, all right? And so, yeah, our ministry is exploding right now. And, you know, we have some, you know, there's a lot of changes going on. Uh, and, and we have these dreams. We have a vision. We have, and we have a goal to see the gospel of Jesus Christ spread effectively throughout our city and throughout the lives of other students here in Asheville. And I just, I just want to say this because I am so proud of them because these students, I truly see it, that they are called by the gospel, Lord. And, you know, I... I I can guarantee that they aren't ready because I know me knowing me that I wasn't ready, especially when I was in high school and doing similar things. But as we prepare to serve overseas and we prepare to be the salt and light of Christ, the salt and light of Jesus Christ throughout this city, we are learning, we are learning over and over and over and reminding ourselves that God doesn't call the qualified, that he qualifies the called. So if we're doing that with our students and they're getting it, Man, that is a challenge to y'all as adults. I mean, y'all can take that to heart, all right? So, you know, wrapping up, kind of moving ahead. You know, the Great Commission, you know, Jesus gives us the Great Commission. And that Great Commission, it applies to every Christian. And, you know, there's no, there's no age requirement. You, you aren't too young as a student and you aren't too old as a senior citizen. You know, we are qualified by God because he is living within us, all right? And if you're sitting here today, you know, perhaps feeling like a failure, and full knowing that you haven't committed to a relationship with God, then I urge you to do so. I urge you to do so. I mean, consider a relationship with God. I mean, God came to earth as a man. He lived a perfect and sinless life and went on to be a sacrifice for you. He paid the wages of your sin. He was crucified on a cross and rose from the dead three days later. And he, Jesus went from death to life so that he could have a real life living relationship with you. So, you know, so that you may receive the grace of God and allow him to call and qualify. So if you're sitting in the room and that's you and you know that you haven't, you haven't taken that step yet in your walk, I urge you to do so because as you, when you become a Christ follower, the Lord has given you, he has equipped you, he has called you, and you are not a failure, all right? So, if you're sitting in here this morning as a Christ follower and you truly believe that you are a failure, sometimes I do, sometimes, chances are you might actually be a failure. Just like me, you know your own darkness. You know what you're facing, what other people doesn't know what's going on with you and you. You know the decisions you've made. You probably don't have it all together because the truth is, here's the deal. If you're sitting here, you feel like a failure, you don't know what you're doing? Well, here's the deal. Most of us don't know what we're doing. Most of us probably feel this way. So I wanna remind you that if you're sitting here as a Christ follower and you feel like a failure, this is your reminder that the grace of God is sufficient. 
It was sufficient for me. It was sufficient for Paul. It was sufficient for Timothy. And it is sufficient for you. It is sufficient for all of us, all right? Like I mentioned earlier, when you ask for forgiveness, you instantly go from an old you to a new you. And that doesn't just happen in that one moment when you invite God into your heart. That happens continually as you grow in your faith and you walk with the Lord throughout your life. God's grace is sufficient for all of us, no matter what we have going on in your life. So I mentioned the Great Commission, and I want to read a part of it to you right now. This is Matthew 28, 8 through 20. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Y'all, if the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, why do we turn away perfectly good help just because some people may not have as many years under their belt? Why do we turn away people who are on fire for God? You know, the church as a whole, not our church, but the church as a whole is often guilty of ignoring 1 Timothy 4.12. And if we continue to be guilty of ignoring the truth that we learn today, that no matter what stage of life we're in, whether we are young or whether we are old, no matter what we have going on in our lives, if we continue to ignore us, some of us may be stuck continuing to feel like we are a failure, but we are not. And I don't want that to be us here at Fellowship Asheville. Y'all, I was just a college student who was passionate about seeing the lives of others changed. But I felt like a failure. I didn't want to go the ministry route because I didn't feel equipped. I didn't feel necessarily called. I felt like a failure. So when considering someone to serve and lead in the church, we must look beyond age and see maturity. We must see faith. We must see how they conduct themselves, how they speak, and how they love, no matter what age or stage of life you are in. And I am thoroughly excited to see how God can use all of us, and specifically our students here at Fellowship Asheville, to serve the Lord and see him qualify the called. Let's pray.